evening, everyone. It's good to see you here tonight. It's good to be here. It's good to connect in the middle of the week and uh, be encouraged in God's word and come together for prayer. Um, you know, when we pray, we're talking to God. Um, I think important part of communication. In fact, James 1 says, let everyone be uh, slow to speak, swift to hear, right? Um, so <clears throat> be ready to hear. Um, my question today as we look at Proverbs again is, have you learned to listen to God? Have you learned to listen to God? Listening is a skill. Just because you hear me doesn't mean that you're listening. Just because you hear a sound with your ear doesn't mean you're actually listening. So having said that, I want to hear from you. What, uh, maybe we can start with our, our young ones especially. What does it mean to listen? How is listening different than hearing? All right. Thank you. If you heard that, did you listen to her? <laughs> Say it again, Bree. Okay, to listen means to pay close attention, to give your attention, your undivided attention. Hearing, <clears throat> you ever um, go into a store and they're playing music, right? And you don't really pay attention to it till maybe your favorite song comes on. And you go, oh, oh, listen to that. Then you start listening. Otherwise, it's just background noise. It's just background noise. We used to watch the, um, the Charlie Brown um, comic, and whenever Charlie Brown and his friends were listening, whenever they had adults speaking, especially at school, it was blah, 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 blah. They heard it, but they weren't listening. They weren't paying attention. It was just noise to them. It was just chatter. And uh, so often, that, that's, that's the difference between hearing something and listening to it. <clears throat> I know as I practice music uh, on my trumpet and I try to listen to a piece that's played and I have, to, I have to listen to it over and over. I hear it one time, I think I got it. And then I try to play it and I go, wow, what did they do? And I listen to it. In fact, uh, musicians, we sent out a text this week saying, here's a, 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 a key. You can learn to listen to things on YouTube at, at half speed. And so it slows it down so I can pick up all the details and all the nuances. You may have wondered why every time you come to church, we read the Bible. Every time we say something from God's word. Like, we've been doing this. For me, it's been over 28 years here at Sweet Communion. Haven't we gotten through all the books yet? <laughs> no, we are trying to listen to what God has to say, not just hear it. We're trying to pay close attention. He has so much to say that we can't gain it all. We have to pay close attention. And so we want to practice that skill of listening to God. How is it that we listen to God? First of all, it's not just random. We pay particular attention to his word. To his word. Now I've talked to a lot of Christians and they, they kind of take that for granted. 
Well, yeah, yeah, you can read the Bible. I've heard that. But it means to pay close attention to his word. Give, give time and effort to hearing what God has to say. I usually tell um, students, listening is a skill. Practice it. Here's a couple things you can do to practice listening. Actually look at the person who's talking. That will help you focus in into what they're saying. So look face to face, look eye to eye at that person. Um, when I'm talking to somebody, I'm not talking about group session like here. We usually when it's one on one and a person is looking down, I'm thinking, are they even paying attention to what I'm saying? Or maybe they're typing on a computer or they're having a conversation on their phone. You can't really talk to two people at once. Not to give attention to them. How's it with the Lord? Are we distracted by the things around us that we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to hear what he says? So when we talk about as human beings, look at that person, practice listening to God, take some time out in your day where you read God's word and give some attention to it. You try to get away from distractions, either physically or mentally. What I mean by physically, you try to get into a quiet room or place where distractions are reduced. Or mentally, you learn how to focus where you are. You can be on a crowded bus or plane uh, with somebody next to you, and you can still focus on what God is saying if you work at that and if you practice that skill. So practice that just the same way that I would listen to music and try to discern the notes so that I can actually play it. See if you can listen to God. Another way that we do here at Sweet Communion especially, write down. Jot down notes. Even if you never pick up those notes again, the practice of writing them will transfer your brain to the page, and it's an exercise in remembering. You'll remember more simply because you wrote it down. How do you learn a memory verse? Normally you read it, right? Then you read it again. <laughs> then you read it again. And for me, I practice saying it phrase by phrase, and I also write it down. And I try to see if I can write it, the whole phrase, without looking back at the page. And then I can get two phrases, and then three phrases, then a whole verse. So those are things that help us practice listening. They help increase our focus. We look um, directly at the person that is talking to us. And so with the Bible, that we reading his word, not just hearing somebody else read, but read along with them. So when I read on Sunday morning, I ask everybody to take their Bibles out, to open their Bibles with me, to read along in their minds at least. They don't have to read aloud, but read along as I read and take it in. So those are our ways that we are practicing listening to God. <clears throat> um. Repeat what is being said. 
you don't always get that opportunity in a church setting, but in Sunday school, you, you, you'll get that opportunity. You might be able to ask questions. That's a way of repeating what was said. Uh, if you're taking notes, summarize what the person said. You might write word for word a phrase they say, but you also might put it in your own words. Restate what they say. <clears throat> I had a little thing that I was, I was going to read. It says this. Um, I try not to disagree with a person until I've learned to listen to what they say. In other words, first let me hear what they're saying. And I'll try to repeat back to them what, what is it saying. I'll say something like this. So you mean, or what you're saying is, and then I'll try to restate what they're saying. Now, I might get it right, or they may say, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's, no, that's not it at all. I'm trying to say this. And then I try to listen again and say, okay, so you're saying, and I'll use their words, and then I'll rephrase it in my words so that I know that I'm capturing what they're saying, even though I'm using different words. I'm capturing their thought. Then I can respond back. Here's what I have to say to what you're saying. Now I think I have a sense for what you're saying, and here's my response. Um, and so we can do that same thing with the Word of God. I heard what you said. Let me restate what you're saying. We can do that actively while we're listening by writing in our notes. Here's what the pastor said. Let me restate it in my own words. Uh, sometimes for myself, I'll outline uh, what a person is saying. If I can put it clear in my, message, in my mind, I can organize my thoughts and, and so I'm practicing active listening. And that's an important um, thing to learn. In Proverbs over and over again, he says, My son, in Proverbs 2, if you receive my words, treasure up my commandments, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. So he said, practice listening. One of the most basic skills to, to gaining wisdom is to learn to listen. Um, we, can, we can teach that. We can, we can practice that as skills for ourselves. We can teach it to our children. Uh, one of the things we learn is that you cannot talk and listen at the same time. Um, in the old days, we had, well, we still have them today. We had two-way radios. And on a two-way radio, it can transmit or it can receive, but it couldn't do both at the same time. So while you were talking, you'd press the button to talk, and you would talk. But while, while you were talking, um, you couldn't also receive. You couldn't hear what uh, the other person on the other end was saying. That's why you use terms like over. You say, you know, you say what you say, and you say over. In other words, your conversation is over, and the other person can start because you couldn't do both at the same time. Now, with, with a phone, you can transmit and receive at the same time. You actually got two-way uh, communication going at the same time. But the reality is, is that we do better receiving when we focus only on receiving and not transmitting. Get what I'm saying? We will hear and listen better if we practice one thing at a time. So. Don't talk while the other person is talking. Practice listening while they're talking. And uh, we, get the, we will receive much better.
God gave us two ears, one mouth. He actually intends for us to work twice as hard on listening <laughs> as we do on speaking. Receiving, transmitting. Receiving, transmitting. We have to actually work hard at receiving harder than we actually do at transmitting. And so practice that, not just with each other, but practice that with the Lord. We're going to pray tonight, and as we pray, we are transmitting. As we take in God's word, we usually think of that as receiving. So take time to receive what God has said. Think about it. Work on it. Restate what he's saying. Make sure you have and understand what God is saying. Another way to practice um, listening is to summarize what's been said. Often I ask after I give an instruction, now, do you understand what I said? And they say, yes. Well, tell me briefly, what did I say? And they restate it back to me. Then I know that they've gotten it. Now, sometimes we think that that's childish for us to do that. But in reality, you, you do that. I don't know about you. When I go through a drive-thru, don't you do that? <laughs> you know, hey, I ordered the number two combo, right? Fries, not cheese curds, <laughs> Right? I want the Mountain Dew Blast, right? And they say, is that all? That's it. Now, did you get that? Tell me what I ordered. And you want them to repeat. Yes, we got it. We got one number two combo, fries without, no, just fries only, and we got a Mountain Dew Blast. Is that correct? Yes. Or they else put it on the screen to show you that they got what you said, right? And that's important to us, right? Right? You want, <laughs> you want your fry, you want your burger, you want what you ordered the way you ordered it. So when they put it on the screen, now you know. They're repeating back to you what you said. They're acknowledging what you said. Um, so let me stop right there and uh, allow the rest of our part. Um, so let's, let's put that into practice, the things communicating with God, listening to God, hearing what he has to say. Good evening, saints. We've been meditating through the Gospel of John. And John is considered to be a very spiritual gospel. I guess they say that because the other ones are focused um, in different ways. Oh, they're all spiritual gospels. But John's focus is on teaching us how to believe. And it's been a few weeks, but we saw the last time that we went through the meditation that Jesus healed a blind man. But there was so much in that chapter that focused on blind men that didn't have to do with the blind man. He healed the blind man of blindness, but it was the Pharisees who ended up being blind. Nobody believed the blind man. People who saw him be healed didn't believe it. The Pharisees who took his testimony didn't believe it. His parents didn't want to stand up for him. And Jesus healed the blind man in a way that we might consider to be shameful. He spit on the blind man. And we would say that in that, it's better to be humiliated and be blessed by God than it is to walk in blindness and keep your own pride. 
So there's a lot of lessons in chapter nine. And so chapter nine, you know, not only sequentially, right? So we know nine goes before 10. We know that, right? But it's not just the numbers that matter. The story flows. And there's a flow that goes into chapter 10. And you'll notice it when we get to certain parts of chapter 10 when it references the blind man. So let's get into chapter 10 and let's meditate on this. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, now this is Jesus talking. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it up from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? into it. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus first talks and he uses this analogy. And if you look at verse 6, it's clear they don't get it. So he first tries to use this analogy and they don't get what he's saying. And his analogy is a shepherd who's bringing some sheep in and out. He brings sheep from safety to this field, then from the field back to safety. They didn't get what he was talking about. Then he says, I'm the door to the sheep. I'm the door to the sheep. Now, I like to play this game. It's a game called Sorry. You play this game called Sorry. You play the adult version of the game Sorry. It's very competitive. You play this game in this thing called a safe zone. When you go in a safe zone, if you're anywhere else in the game of Sorry, you can get beaten up and knocked back into your home. 
but if you get in a safe zone, nobody can attack you. Jesus says, I'm the safe zone. I am the safe zone. Now, we're saints. And we know that we get attacked every day. So by what way is Jesus the door? And I ask you that. We know as saints, we get attacked on a daily basis. So is Jesus telling the truth that he is the door? And if he is telling the truth, how is he the door? does he protect us from and what doesn't he protect us from? If I go out there and I pray really hard, can I stop a car accident from happening to me? Why not? Why not? Ain't I a good person? Why do bad things happen to me? Does Jesus stop being a door? Or does he let some evil come in sometimes? What's the deal? say that Jesus is the door because he only lets good things in. Right? If his sheep are in, he's only going to allow things that go in that benefit them. Right? So then why does he allow us to face hardship? Could it not be because just because we find it unpleasant, it actually is good? Imagine that we try to have our salvation without hardship. Would Jesus have suffered on the cross for us? 
would Paul have shipwrecked to bring the word to Rome? Would Peter have watched his wife be crucified? I'm asking you a question. Are the things that we look at as negative, are they really as bad in God's eyes? So we have to think higher. Jesus is the door. And one thing that he's been bringing to my mind is this. I am speaking to you through your daily life. And I am building you to be a better man, Brian. That's what he says. Building you to be better. So when I bring some difficulty into your life, stop getting all mad. Stop getting all fussy. Stop getting all annoyed. Oh, why this happened again? Why it happened again? Because you didn't learn the lesson I gave you last time. Why when I lift weights, I'm trying to get stronger in my lifting weights and trying to lose weight, right? So when I go to the gym, what happens if I run for four minutes and then the next time I run three minutes, 30 seconds? Am I getting better or worse? I'm getting worse, right? If I lift 300 pounds one week and I lift 290 the next week, am I getting stronger or weaker? I am training myself to get weaker. So how do I get stronger? I face more hardship. Hardship is good. Because it toughens the soul. It makes us fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. You know, shepherds and sheep, that's not a safe thing. It's not safe to go into pasture. But we live in a society that puts safety as its number one goal. If you talk to people about children, you talk to people about life, they want to talk about safety as if it's the number one principle of the world. In fact, when we opened our church for COVID, during COVID, people said, is that safe? I thought that was a bad question. Because the better question is, what does God want us to do? And what does safety have to do with that? question we got to ask ourselves is it safe to live for Jesus and I will say that it is not and intentionally so it's a challenge to live for Jesus you know I went to the abortion clinic a couple weeks ago and it was easy for some people to vent their frustrations on other people they said they was giving the gospel but they were just doing the easy thing was that the right thing though somebody come at me and I don't want to be a friend because I like the people that like the things I like is that going to build the church I go up and I have a sermon I have all these notes I want to preach for two hours is that a good sermon right the more mature you are the more things you cut that you like isn't that the truth the more mature you are, the more things you cut that you like. Guess what? When I go home today, I'm not going to eat ice cream. You know why? Because I'm diabetic. I like ice cream. A lot. It would kill me. So I had to cut it. I love a bass solo. It might kill us all. 
might be a sad song. It's not going to fit. I got to cut it. Some parts is a cool, funky song, but then every once in a while you have to have that quiet part that people got to hear. Guess what? I might have to drop out at that part. That makes the song better. Guess what? That means that me being out of the song made the song better. Is that so bad? And I say this to all the singers. You having less could mean more for Christ. Are you willing? Are you willing? And that's a hard question. I'm not saying I got all the answers to that. I struggle with that too. Are we willing? Right? Are you willing? Am I willing? Are we willing to put up with less so that Christ will have more? Are we going to be like John the Baptist and say, I must decrease so he can increase? That's a tough one. That's a tough one, but that's Christianity. It is not easy. It's not meant to be. But you know what? This last thing, there's a famous game out there. It's called Dark Souls. You know what's so famous about that game? It is so hard. And that's really one of the best virtues of the game, that it's hard. Because when people beat the game, they have a badge of honor. They say, you know what? You couldn't beat it, but I could. Christianity has that badge. It's not easy. But when you do it, you will feel a sense of accomplishment. You know what? That's not bad pride to have that. To say, you know what? Like Paul said, when I succeed, I have a crown waiting for me. I will get the reward for my work. I'm building a monument to my God. He will reward my faithful service. Because what I did was